Greetings everyone, hey how you doing? It's Matt Seller and today we are doing another Mandalorian review for Season 1, Episode 7, Chapter 7 if you want to be fancy, The Reckoning. It will be a spoiler talk review between me and a good friend of mine who is joining me via radio satellite across the galaxy in a distant quadrant. It's Mark. How you doing out there, Mark? Matt, I gotta tell you, I keep coming back to these same desert planets, and you know what? Sometimes you find out there's lava out there, and lava goats, but hey, I'm here, baby. And lava goats have the best seasoning, as we saw. Anyway, folks, before we begin, quick disclaimer here once again, while the show is rated PG, The Mandalorian, this podcast review is targeted for those of college age or older, critiquing films and going over some criticisms and opinions and all that jazz, things that clearly do not appeal to kids. So do we have an understanding? Good. Let's move on. So Mark, why don't you tell the fine folks here about the episode they just witnessed? While out in the deep vacuum of space, Mando gets a message from Grief Karga, telling him that the town is overrun by Imperials, all desperate to get their hands on the child. In an effort to rid him of Imperials, Karga attempts to strike a deal with Mando, but not to be outdone, Mando recruits his friends, Cara Dune, Quill, and even a very surprised IG-11 reprogrammed by the humble Quill to protect the baby Yoda, free the town, and hopefully get back out in peace without the guild on his back. On the way, they ride some of the Borgs and are attacked by Minox, who looked kind of more pterodactyl-like in this episode. Baby Yoda proves to be adorable, but... Will he be safe from the possessions and the arrival of a moth? Wow, that sounds amazing, Mark. I'm so glad you told us all that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I also realized I poorly researched this song. I actually didn't know how it went shortly after 15 seconds. So I was handballing it while you were talking. Oh, professionalism, folks. We have it. We have it. Get over it. So, Mark, why don't you uh, let the fine folks know, what were some of your general opinions of the Chapter 7 episode? Well, it uh, just bears, uh, for the record, saying this episode was directed by Miss Deborah Chow, who uh, some of you might remember also directed Episode 3, The Sin. And uh, so far out of our returning directors, I think she has the best track record when it comes to her uh, double episodes, because this episode was amazing to me. Of course, this is the big everyone's coming together episode. We've all kind of been hoping and waiting that it would happen. But barring the fact that it was uh, restricted to just being an episode, but, you know, then, you know, I think you'll touch on it, Matt, uh, some some pacing things that maybe we would like to have seen uh, done a little differently. Like, this was just solid. From start to finish, I was glued to the screen. It was great seeing these characters back. I was actually very confused as to how uh, IG-11 was going to come back into the scene, but this actually made it feel very interesting and organic. And um, <clears throat> we don't see him do much, but uh, I'm interested to see where we will be going forward with him. And uh, without, you know, burying the lead, or I should say burying the ending by putting it in the lead, I'm just like, you know, we only have one episode left. I'm ready for season two. I'm just ready to see what else Deborah Chow will do as a director moving forward with her, the Han, so, uh, the Han, God darn you, Star Wars in your naming conventions. It seems you have forgotten the Obi-Wan. I've, this is the way. There, I saved my nerd cred. Yes, the Obi-Wan show. <laughs> that just sounds like a fucking... It's the Obi-Wan show. Uh, but yes, 
I'm looking forward to just more Mandalorian, more Deborah Chow directing Star Wars, and fun times by all. Matt, how about yourself? Yeah, no, I agree with many of your points here. I think this is definitely a strong uh, semi-season finale episode leading up to the actual season finale. And uh, overall, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I'm being redundant here. I know I'm trying to gather my thoughts real quickly here. I like the adventure part, and I'm glad that we kind of talked about in the past where we feel like this is definitely going to be one of those Magnificent Seven type situations where the lead hero is facing off against like crucial odds and needs to gather a team to help him out. And it had a lot of fun. Like, I definitely think this is probably one of the most Western feeling episodes that we've had so far. And it was cool to see a lot of the characters come back. Like you said, IG 11 came back in a way. It will be interesting to see if Mando kind of reaffirms what his fears were about droids, where eventually IG 11 will remember, oh yeah, I'm a hunter droid. I need to hunt something. Baby Yoda. And then like things become more tense later on. I'm curious if that's going to happen. Although with uh, Quill, Nick Nolte's character, confident that he rewired and droids are not inherently good or bad. They are just influenced by their company they keep or whatever. It is almost like they're machines. Exactly. (laughs) So no, yeah, this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, As we mentioned before, uh, there were some pacing issues that I had on a certain fundamental level, like when the pterodactyl alien creatures came down to attack the camp randomly but i understood why that happened we wanted the guild master which unfortunately i forget his name so i do apologize uh grief what's his name grief carga grief carga thank you and we needed grief to have some connection and to be convinced by baby yoda that it's good and what mando's doing is good so I understood that. I feel like the episode should have been at least 10 to 50 minutes longer just so we could have had more of that progression. But because it's a TV show, it's 35 minutes long. It's completely understandable why they kind of have to pick up the pace in some parts. But yeah, I, I mean, I really don't have much more to add. I, I really enjoyed it. I think Deborah Chow did a really good job here. And who is directing the finale next week? It's going to be a big one. Are you ready for that? this, Matt? I'm all ears. Taika Waititi. Oh, snap. That's a lot on his shoulders, but I'm confident he could pull it off oh yeah i'm I'm actually very excited especially since this is going to be his debut episode for the series as a director of course he was the voice of uh, ig11 oh yeah you're right he hasn't directed a past episode i remember that now no yeah but i will say and i mean granted they kind of cheated they had you know basically machine gun blasters but this was the also marks the return of the uh death troopers who we first saw in rogue one who were kind of in my opinion built up more than they were actually presented on screen in the movie but i feel like uh, at least especially them being here and doing wrecking shop like they did I definitely saw a little more of why they were uh, scarier than your average stormtrooper let's say and I'm sure we'll get more of them in the next episode oh yeah and before we wrap up here I want to bring up real quick the Minox as you call them it was actually kind of funny how much I thought our entire cast members were nothing but stormtroopers at that moment where so many laser blasts were happening and they barely hit any of them until like near the end yeah I was I was I, I, uh, I felt very similar to that when I was watching that. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm like, I assume when you have a regular gun, like a human earth gun, and you're trying to shoot something really quickly, clearly you're not going to see the bullets per se going off. So a lot of it is trying to like guess and anticipate where you want to shoot. Whereas in Star Wars, you got laser beams. They come straight out of the nozzle. You can see where they're going. And to me, it's like, okay, that's like a video game because video games usually show you the streak of where your ammunition's going so you can quickly 
assess your aiming and hit something really fast. And I think, I don't know if this is true with throughout Star Wars or something, but it's like, shouldn't that be the same principle with blasters and whatnot in the world of Star Wars? Like, you can see where your initial shot went, so you can make a quick judgment to adjust, yet you keep missing. Uh, you could argue it's, you know, because they're in a panic or whatever, and, you know, it was dark. I, we could make excuses. The, the, the bottom line was it needed to happen narratively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a super nitpick. I'm not saying that ruins it for me, but I was just saying, like, sometimes I run to my head, but I was like, come on, you got laser-sighted assistance. You can be more accurate anyway. And I will just say this. It just confirmed it. Warner Herzog is still one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a Star Wars episode, uh, anything. For sure, man, for sure. And uh, I think that'll do it for our spoiler talk review for The Mandalorian Chapter 7, The Reckoning. You heard our opinion. Now we want to hear yours. Let us know in the comment section below. What were your thoughts on this latest episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Share your thoughts. Join the conversation. Thank you for checking out this review. If you can, please like this video. Subscribe to my channel. Ring the bell to be notified when new videos drop. And if you want to support me directly, please consider going to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Matt Seller. Consider donating as low as a dollar a month will help go towards my podcast channel, art, animation, and content made just for you. Links in the description below. This is Matt Seller. This is Mark. And we want to thank you all for tuning in.